Hello, I'm Austin. And I'm Rhea. And you're listening to GCB Bioenergy's Issue Roundup Podcast. Global Change Biology Bioenergy is a bi-monthly journal that focuses on the production of biofuels through plants, algae, and waste. It also places special emphasis on how bioenergy systems help to mitigate global change. For more information, visit our homepage at the Wiley Online Library. Today we'll be discussing three featured articles from our January issue. First, we'll be looking at an article that investigates long-term yield to bioenergy crops in the hopes of providing a clearer picture behind the feasibility of planting these grasses on a large scale in the Midwest. The two grasses were miscanthus and switchgrass. Here's a little background. Miscanthus costs a lot of money to establish, and then stable yields aren't achieved until it has been in the ground for about three years. The advantages of this, of course, are that miscanthus doesn't need to be planted yearly. It's perennial, meaning it will regrow after harvest every year. And in addition to this, many tout the plant's ability to survive in harsh climates, its high yields, and productivity. It has been trialed extensively in Europe and is now grown for many bioenergy uses in that region. In contrast, switchgrass, which is very similar to miscanthus in these areas, has been investigated more extensively in the U.S. and is now the major perennial bioenergy crop in North America. But according to the authors of the paper, miscanthus parallels switchgrass in another very significant way. Its yields are about twice that of switchgrass. Researchers, including lead author Dr. Becky Arendale and the editor-in-chief of GCB Bioenergy, Dr. Steve Long, used a 10-year study that examined the yields of seven plots of miscanthus in Illinois. The study took place from the third year of the grasses planting to the plot's 10th, or in some cases, its 8th growing season. They found that the average yield of miscanthus was 10.5 tons per acre, compared with 4.5 tons per acre for switchgrass grown in side-by-side trials. The Renewable Fuel Standard Act, which was passed by the U.S. government in 2008, aimed at increasing the country's renewable fuel usage from 9 billion gallons in 2008 to 36 billion gallons by 2022. A portion of this must be filled by cellulosic ethanol made from plants like miscanthus and switchgrass. Based on their calculated yields and the amount of land available, the researchers concluded that the U.S. could reach its demand for cellulosic ethanol by 2022. More research is needed to discover how high yields can be maintained into the longer term. Our second article looks into how we can benefit from damaged forests by using the broken foliage and developing it for bioenergy. British Columbia, a province of Canada, is a pretty woody place, and depending on conditions, it functions as a huge carbon sink or source, making it of interest in climate change monitoring. Forests face an increasing number of hazards that have turned forests into carbon sources. Root disease, stem decay, blights, and as the author notes, insects. The article specifically references one case that took place over 2000 to around 2004, where the mountain pine beetle decimated British Columbia's forests with an area of trees 4 by 4 meters large being damaged for every kilometer squared of forest the region has. These damaged trees, along with all other residue like bushes and twigs, are usually pulled up on the roadside and burned to reduce the chance of forest fires. 
but lead author of the study, Dr. Patrick Lamers, and his co-authors have a better use in mind. The authors propose taking the residue and reducing it into wood pellets and burning them in power plants instead of coal, a method Europe has already deployed. The standing dead trees are marketable in that certain parts can be salvaged, but lumberers are starting to shift from pine trees to spruces because of the beetle outbreak. So inevitably, residue in these forests is going to increase. The authors propose further research into whether or not removing all of these trees will negatively impact the ecosystem. Our final article investigates mosquitoes and looks at whether or not the large-scale farming of switchgrass and miscanthus will increase the production of these insects in certain areas. So we already went over these grasses. They both have high yields and low inputs, meaning they don't need much in the way of fertilizing, and they can thrive in some pretty inhospitable environments. But right now, a little over 90% of all biofuel in the U.S. is made from corn, and not these grasses. In order for cellulosic ethanol made from miscanthus or switchgrass to reach corn's level, they would need to be planted on a large scale. But as lead author Dr. Ephantis Maturi and his co-authors from the Illinois Natural History Survey point out, there could be some unintended consequences. Mosquitoes lay their eggs or oviposit near water sources, but sometimes they're attracted to different places like plants. So the risk is, if biofuel crops like miscanthus and switchgrass prove to be good nurseries for mosquito larvae, those who live around the farmland could be exposed to a litany of mosquito-borne illnesses like malaria or West Nile. The team looked at two species of mosquito and tested the development and survival of larvae into adulthood among miscanthus, switchgrass, and corn. They found that both species of mosquito deposited far less eggs in miscanthus than in switchgrass or corn. However, survival to adulthood in the crops was significantly lower in corn and higher in miscanthus and switchgrass. The authors hypothesized that because corn is treated with pesticides, larvae weren't able to survive into adulthood as often. They added that the findings may point to an increase in human infection, so further research needs to be conducted. Thank you for tuning in. Join us for our next podcast where we will continue to explore exciting findings that deal with bioenergy. Go to our homepage at Wiley On Library to learn more. And with that, I'm Austin. And I'm Rhea. And we'll see you next time.